Hello everybody, it's Michael and I'm back with another episode of the Under Pressure Podcast. If you are listening on any audio platform, please make sure to download. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, give the uh, podcast a five star. If you're listening on YouTube, make sure to leave a like. And if you enjoy the podcast, please share it with your friends. I'm trying to really grow this and it would mean a lot. Uh, we got a lot to talk about today. We got the 2020 draft lottery results. And then we got all the playoff games that have happened since I last recorded. And uh, before I start, I'd like to say happy birthday to Kobe. We all miss you, the basketball community, and the the world as a whole misses you. And yeah, moving on, let's talk about that 2020 draft lottery. So I'm going to be bringing you guys a lot of draft content. I've worked super hard, done a ton of reading, done a ton of uh, tape study, a ton of research to bring you guys some great... Uh, draft content. I've scouted about 35 to 36 players so far. I'd like to get in maybe uh, nine more before the draft officially starts so I can bring you guys my uh, mock draft. I'll bring you guys some big board rankings. But uh, first, to talk about the draft lottery results, I'll start from 14 to 1. Uh, 14, Boston got the pick from Memphis. Uh, this pretty interesting because Boston does have uh, three first round picks in this year's draft so I'll be pretty interested to see if they try and trade up or if they try to just uh, do kind of what they did last year and draft uh, multiple prospects so that'll be interesting I'll I don't know if they're what they're really going to do I don't know what the plan is because they definitely need more depth so I don't know if they want to trade those picks for more and a more established player or trade up to get a more established uh, young player in this draft or uh, just draft three prospects and then hope that uh, one or two of them pan out and can be a good bench piece for us. But yeah, I do like them having the three first round picks because even though they are a good team right now, they still need depth. And yeah, uh, moving on to 13, we got New Orleans. Uh, this pick for them is pretty interesting. They definitely have some holes on the team that I'd like to see them fill. Uh, I'd like to see them get some more wing shooters. Uh, maybe they could get another big man. I don't really know what to feel about Jackson Hayes right now. Uh, I would love if they, if someone like Aaron Nesmith uh, slid, da- slid down to them. I think that would be a beautiful uh, pick for them. Uh, a wing that can really shoot the ball would fit perfectly next to a Zion. If they want to play bigger, he could even play the, the two next to Brandon Ingram. Uh, I'd be interested to see if they draft a guard because the future of Lonzo Ball and this team is pretty up in the air after the performance he had in the bubble, and that's been something that I bet they've been having some internal discussions on what his future is with the team because he's a very talented player, but uh, especially in the bubble, he looks rough after having a pretty good regular season. Uh, Moving on to 12, uh, the Kings. Now, this is a bit of a weird pick. Because they could kind of go in any direction. They're kind of pretty solid at every position. But there's, other than point guard, obviously, there's not a position that's good enough where I wouldn't take anybody. So I'd be interested to see if they draft a big because Marvin Bagley's health has been an issue. And the big position is a little bit more where they just have a bunch of guys who play. And Rashawn Holmes will be a free agent. So they could definitely... Uh, take a big here. I wouldn't be surprised if they take a wing. They could definitely just use more shooting as every NBA team can. Some more 3 and D guys next to De'Aaron Fox. Uh, on to 11, we got San Antonio. I would really like uh, San Antonio to just take a guy who has a really high ceiling. I don't think they should draft the guard position. I think their guards are pretty good. I like Derek White. I like DeJounte Murray. I like Lonnie Walker. I like Keldon Johnson. So I think their guard position for the future is really good. But they could definitely use some wings. Uh, they ba- they got some young bigs. They got Jakob Pertl Jakob and Luka uh, Samancic. So I'd like to see them just take a wing who has a high ceiling if someone like Devin Vassell could slip down to them, that'd be a great pick. Someone like Isaac Okoro, uh, maybe they could take Sadiq Bay and try and develop his offense because his defense is already there. So that's an interesting pick because their young core is actually building up pretty quickly, and they just kind of need that wing for uh, to replace Demar Derozan when he leaves to replace like Rudy Gay when his contract is expired. 
So I like them getting the 11th pick, and I would like them to take a high-ceiling wing that could really be uh, maybe like an all-star for them and maybe has a lower floor so they can develop him. Because my biggest issue with San Antonio is because they've been just so solid the past few years is that they, even though I like the guys they have on their team a lot and think they have a good bit of potential, I don't really see any of them being an all-star. And even if they are an all-star, I don't see them being like an upper-tier all-star. They'd be like a get-in-one-time-on-like-a-weird-year type of all-star guy. So that's an interesting pick for them. And uh, moving on to Phoenix at 10. This is a really interesting one for me. I don't really know exactly what they're going to do here. Uh their future is very interesting, and they have basically every position filled out pretty well. Uh, obviously, Ricky Rubio is the starting point guard. They got some guys that I like uh, where they don't really have necessarily one backup point guard, but they kind of all just rotate in there. Uh, Cameron Payne actually played very well for them in the bubble, and then they got guys like Javon Carter, uh, Elia Kobo. We got Jalen LeCue down in the G League, and maybe he has potential. They signed him for like four years, so they definitely believe in him. Uh, as shooting guard, obviously, they have Devin Booker. You don't really need much depth behind him. They got Mikhail Bridges on the wing, who looks great in the bubble. His defense is incredible. And then the three-point shooting and offense is still a work in progress, but it's looking better. You got guys like Kelly Oubre, who didn't play in the bubble, and they played so well. So be, his future is really interesting with the team. Maybe they could try and trade up with a team uh, using Kelly Oubre if they really believe that this A&O was uh, like a sign of things to come, and that even though he's a very good player, very solid player, he may just not fit with the team perfectly. They got guys like Cam Johnson at the four. Really like uh, Cam Johnson, just a three and, strict three and D wing, great three point shooter. Looked really good in the bubble. Uh, they obviously got DeAndre in that center. Aaron Baines will be a free agent, so they could kind of go in any direction here. Uh, again, another team. I could, I would love to see them get Devin Vassell. That'd be a great pick for them. I'd just like to see them get more 3 and D wings for uh, Devin Booker. I could also see them drafting a point guard here. Uh, even though I wouldn't necessarily do that, I would definitely just try and keep getting... Because you can never have too many 3 and D wings, especially next to a guy like Devin Booker. That is a perfect fit. And we saw with guys like uh, Cam Johnson playing so well and fitting so seamlessly next to Devin Booker. So I'd just say keep drafting 3 and D wings who will uh, help you and be ready to win right now. Uh, At 9, the Wizards got that pick, and they could kind of go anywhere with this pick. Uh, I don't think they'll go center because the center uh, draft is a bit weak, and they have uh, Thomas Bryant, who's pretty solid, but they could definitely use help uh, at the wing position. I like Troy Brown Jr., but I don't know how much I like him as like a full-time starting wing. Uh, they could even draft a point guard, depending on how they feel about John Wall's future with the team. I could definitely see them uh, drafting a guy like Cole Anthony if uh, if they really believe in him. Cole Anthony's stock is uh, one of the more interesting things and just more interesting storylines as we go into the draft. So I could see them kind of going anywhere. I don't really see them drafting like a shooting guard because they already have Bradley Beal and and I don't see them trading Bradley Beal anytime soon. And if they do, they'd probably get more uh, players in his position and in the wing position in return. At the four, they got uh, they got Davis Bertans, and they got Rui Hachimura. So I th- I like that position a lot, even though they do have to re-sign Davis Bertans. I like the center position, even though they could use a backup. But obviously, they're not going to draft a backup center here. That would be more something you you would try and do probably in the second round. But this pick is a little confusing for me because I don't really know what direction they're going in. I assume they're going to want to try and win. So maybe they just draft the uh, most ready, like, 3 and D wing. Kind of like the DeAndre Hunter type pick from last year. So that's an interesting pick for me for sure. Uh, The Knicks got 8. And they could kind of go anywhere with this pick. Uh, Obviously, Mitchell Robinson starting center. RJ Barrett starting two or three. Uh, I would kind of like, I would definitely like them to get a, a real point guard. Uh, I really like Tyrese Halliburton for them. I think Tyrese Halliburton would be a great pick for them. Uh, very Ma- Malcolm Brogdon esque. 
And I like how Tyrese Hallenberg doesn't really dominate the ball because R.J. Barrett is a bit more of a ball handler, so it would be nice to see uh, those two paired together. I think that would be a really good mesh. The Knicks definitely need more playmaking. They need more shoot- They need more outside shooting for sure. Uh, I could definitely see them, again, going with the 3 and D wing. They could use... They could use either the three or the four because Kevin Knox hasn't proved anything to me. I don't think uh, Julius Randle is very good, plain and simple. I just don't think he's very impactful for winning games. But I would love to see them draft a guy like Tyrese Halliburton. But, this again, this is just one of those drafts where I could see really anything happening. And that's why this draft is so interesting to me. And it's very interesting as this is like the first year that I really got into drafts, did a ton of research. I worked for so many hours on doing these uh, prospect scoutings, and it's just such an interesting draft because this is one of the first drafts in a while. It's kind of like the 20, I think it was 13 draft, where there wasn't a clear number one guy, and even though there's some good depth in this draft, and like a good one of the best players in the draft could be drafted uh, even outside of the lottery. So that's why this draft is so interesting to me, and I'm really excited for the draft to come because I think that's going to make everything really, really exciting. Just There's so much unknown in this draft and so many different directions teams can go. And teams, teams can trade up, teams can trade down, teams can just trade their pick and try and get more established guys. Uh, I could see some just very, very weird stuff happening in this draft, and that's why I'm so excited for it. It's going to be a lot of fun. I'm going to bring you guys a ton of content. We're doing winners and losers of the draft. Just so much stuff. So I'm really excited for that. And when that stuff does come out, I'd really appreciate it if you do share it. Uh, if you do, just show as much support as you can because I've put a ton of work in. If you've been following me on Instagram for a while, you, you'll see the scouting reports I posted. And, yeah, I've just put a, a ton of work, done a ton of research, done a ton of reading, a ton of watching tape. And I'm really excited for this draft. Uh, moving on to seven after that bit of a tangent, we got Detroit. Now, this is one of the teams that took the, uh, one of the bigger L's in the draft. This team has a lot, a lot of holes. Uh, I could really see them going almost anywhere. I wouldn't want them to draft a four because I really like Christian Wood. Uh, I don't know what their uh, what the future is with Luke Kennard because he was in trade rumors at the trade deadline. He's been injured. Uh, a good bit recently and that's always something that's a little scary to play with so I don't know what his future with the team is literally the only like solidified guy for me right now is Christian Wood I like Seko Demboya I like his future a lot I think he has a ton of potential it'll be I think it'll be a very good uh, defensive uh, wing and then the offense will have to come along but he showed some good flashes when they were pretty much tanking and uh, this yeah, this pick is pretty interesting. They could definitely uh, use help at the point card position. They have Derrick Rose, but I would love to see them trade Derrick Rose. Uh, they could take a center, even though I don't know if any of the top-tier centers. Like, I don't see Oyeka and Kongwu slipping all the way here. Uh, I don't see James Wiseman sl- slipping there. Unless they tried to trade up, that would be interesting. Again, this is one of those drafts where I could see anything happening, but they don't really have many assets on their team to trade up. So, yeah, this is an interesting pick for them. I would, uh, this is another team I think Tyrese Halliburton would be great on. Uh, they could, again, they could try and trade up, and then there's some guys that would be interesting for them for sure. But, yeah, this team took one of the bigger L's in the draft. It was some tough lottery luck for them. But with this new format, you anything can happen, and that is what it is. Uh, moving on to six, we got Atlanta. And now uh, this is definitely a... Uh, a bit of a weird choice for them because they already have a pretty established young core. Uh, I like what I saw from Cam Reddish to end of the to end the year. DeAndre Hunter was pretty solid all year. Obviously, they got Trey Young, John Collins. They traded for Clint Capella at the trade deadline. So I don't really know what direction they're going to go in here. I assume they'll probably just draft uh, another three and D wing. Uh, just. M- get as much defense as you possibly can around Trey Young. Maybe like when John Collins is on the bench, you run a bit more of a small ball, and you try to get like three defensive wings out there, and then have uh, Clint Capella at center, and that could be uh, really 
helping Trey Young because obviously that's his biggest weakness as a defensive end. So maybe if you draft a guy like Isaac Okoro, you could throw out a lineup of Trey Young, uh, Cam Reddish, Isaac Okoro, DeAndre Hunter, and Clint Capella. Obviously, Trey Young is atrocious at defense, but there's uh, enough defense around him in that lineup where that could probably hide it uh, pretty well. And then they have, uh, obviously, Trey Young is the main creator, and then those guys to be on the wing shooting threes. Isaac Okoro is definitely still a bit of a work in progress. Defense is incredible. His defensive instincts, his length, he's just a great defender already. Uh, The three-point shot definitely has to come around, but I would like that pick a lot for them. They could uh, trade up and maybe try and draft a secondary ball handler. I could honestly see them drafting a guy like Tyrese Halliburton uh, to give Trey Young some more uh, ball handling because Tyrese Halliburton is also a very solid defender, adds some more playmaking, and would add a pretty interesting dynamic to this team. And I do like the idea of Atlanta getting a bit of a second ball handler, especially because I think if Trey Young was used in more of the Steph Curry type role where he's running off screens a bunch, uh, he could be a lot more effective just because of the gravity that he would have like uh, like Steph where uh, even if they're not passing the ball, even if they're not getting an assist, they're opening up so many lanes for their teammates. So it'd be pretty cool to see them try and get a secondary ball handler but i could definitely also see them get a 3d wing they could go in either of those directions and i think it would be a good pick for them uh cleveland got the number five pick now they're in a pretty interesting situation they have some established players at the front court that i really don't know how long they're going to be on that team they got kevin love and uh andre drummond and at the, they obviously got their two young guards, Darius Garland and uh, Colin Sexton. So I would like to see them get a wing a lot. Uh, Jetty Osman is a solid player, but I'd like him a way more as a rotation wing than a starting wing. And I really like Kevin Porter Jr., but I think Kevin Porter Jr. is more of a two. I, I'm pretty sure he's 6'4", so that's way too small to play the three in the modern NBA. So I'd like to see them get a wing. Uh, a guy like Denny Avdija would be great for them. I don't know if he's going to be there, uh, but if he is there, I think that'd be a perfect pick for them. A guy like Isaac Okoro would fit really well with them, bring that defense that they really need. And uh, I'd like to see them uh, sooner rather than later, maybe give it a year or a year and a half, make that decision on uh, Colin Sexton and Darius Garland and what they're doing with that because I just don't think they can coexist. And honestly, I think it would fit way better if they had Kevin Porter Jr. in that starting lineup and uh, just chose one of the young guards. So if they did that, I think Denny would be so perfect for them because they would lack a bit of playmaking. They would obviously have two pretty solid scoring guards. I loved what I saw from Kevin Porter Jr. this year. Colin Sexton definitely took a step in the right direction. Looked very good, especially to end the year. And then if they had a guy like Denny, who's a very well-rounded player, uh, couldn't play make, play a bit of defense, three-point shot, still a work in progress, has looked better in the more recent games he's played, uh, smart player, uh, I think he'd be perfect for them. But I could also see him going at number four to Chicago. Uh, Chicago obviously has Otto Porter right now, but he struggled with injuries a lot. They got Chandler Hutchinson, who I do like, but another player who struggled with injuries uh, I could see them going with a guard. I could see them trying to trade up and draft Lamelo, which would be very interesting. And then I'd have to, I'd have to say they would have to trade one of their young guards. But I would really, especially if they stay at this fourth pick, and Denny isn't taken, uh, I would love them to take Denny Avdija. I think he'd be such a perfect fit for them. They lack a bit of playmaking. He's a very good playmaker. The wing position has always dealt with injuries. And as long as Ardo Porter does stay healthy for a bit, he won't have a ton of immediate pressure on him. Uh, He's got good shooting around him. They need more defense. And I just think he'd fit so perfectly into that team. I really, really like that pick for them. I think that makes them a super fun team. Uh, It really adds to that young core and gives them potential to be a lot better in the future and right now because I think Denny will be an impact player right now just with uh, how smart of a player he is. Very smart. And as he keeps developing those skills, the free throw shooting still needs work. The three-point shooting still needs work. And he could still uh, put on muscle. But I like that pick for them a lot. Uh, Charlotte had, I'm pretty sure, the biggest jump in the entire draft. Jumped up to number three. That's a big W for them. 
I think they're I would definitely see them uh drafting James Wiseman here. Obviously they're very weak at center. Cody Zeller's on an expiring contract. Uh Bismack Biombo's on an expiring contract. So I definitely would like to see them draft James Wiseman. I think it'd be a really good pick for them. They have their uh two guards, Devontae Graham and Terry Rozier, that do would work beautifully in the pick and roll with. And I think it would just give him a lot of opportunity to uh, develop his skills. The shooting is still a question, still could use some work. Uh, his IQ is definitely something you can put into question. And I just like this uh, pick for them because it fills a hole. They have a really nice four next to him in P.J. Washington, who I think would be really good with them. And if they could roll out a lineup with Terry Rozier, Devontae Graham, Miles Bridges, uh, P.J. Washington, and... Uh, James Wiseman, that's a really nice young core and has some potential for sure. He'd fit perfectly in the pick and roll. I would love to see his shooting develop. I'd love to see him become a smarter player, especially on the defensive end. Uh, He has all the tools to be a great defender, but the IQ can definitely come into question. So, yeah, that's an interesting one for them because they don't really have anybody established enough where I would avoid taking anyone. Like, if LaMelo is here, even though they have their two guards, I could see them taking LaMelo Ball because I think LaMelo Ball definitely has the highest superstar potential. Even though I would hate LaMelo Ball going to Charlotte, please don't let that happen. Uh, And if if he does slip to a team like Chicago, I would like that way more. But I could see them uh, taking a guy like LaMelo Ball. I this, again, is just one of those drafts where I could see anything happening, and that's what makes it so exciting. I, could see, I think this will be probably the most trades to happen because it's more. this draft is more about just getting your guy than getting the best guy because there's not a clear like best guy, and the talent pool is pretty even throughout. Like The difference between getting the fifth and the eighth pick, in at least in my opinion, in this draft is not much. It just all depends on what the teams before you want, and then what you're going for in this draft. So, yeah, this draft's really interesting. Uh, Moving on to number two, we got Golden State, a team that I could definitely see uh, drafting James Wiseman because, obviously, uh, Kevin Looney is more of a backup center. And then maybe uh, when James Wiseman is put into a winning environment, playing next to a guy like Draymond Green, uh, getting yelled at, uh, making sure he's making all the right rotations. He could realize his defensive potential uh, with that uh, with that staff. They've shown to develop talent pretty well. And, yeah, that would be an interesting pick for them. I could see them definitely going Denny Avdija right here uh, with Andrew Wiggins still being a huge question mark. Denny could also play uh, the four if they want to run small ball with Draymond at the five. Uh, there's even been some Lamella ball uh, discussions, which I don't. I don't like that fit at all. I also could definitely see them trying to trade for a more established player. I could see them trading down, getting a a later pick, and then a more established player that would help their uh, lack of depth. I could see them just trading the pick for trying to get like a star-level player and really uh, make a a certified big three. So this uh, pick is very, very interesting for Golden State because – they are not in the position where they're about to uh, uh, lose again. They're way too good to start losing again. So it's such an interesting pick because this year is such an anomaly for Golden State, and they're going to come back right right here next year. Uh, Draymond Green will be better because he's going to have better teammates, and that's, that's how Draymond Green plays. Uh, Steph Curry is going to be back. And I think he's just going to be as good as ever. And I think this may be Clay Thompson's career year after uh, Kevin Durant leaving and him having more of an offensive load. So this is such an interesting pick for Golden State. It's literally all just dependent on what direction they want to go in in the future. If they want to try and go for another championship right now. Or if they want to draft a young guy where they can still be good right now. Maybe compete for a championship. And then have a bright future to look forward to. And uh, the number one pick, the Minnesota Timberwolves got that. Now, again, this is a very, very interesting pick. They want to win right now because they uh, traded their next year's pick to Golden State for D'Angelo Russell. So I don't know if they're going to try and trade the pick for a more established player, if they're going to try and trade down uh, and grab some depth, if they're going to draft uh, a guy like Anthony Edwards who uh, would kind of replace what they 
have right now in Malik Beasley and maybe do a sign and trade for Malik Beasley and try and get uh, a more established four if they're going to try and get uh, they could lift they could literally go any direction in this draft, and that's what's so interesting. That's why I love this draft, because you could see a weird player drafted at number one. Again, very 2013s. You could be like, yo, they drafted Onyeka Okungwu? Like, Onyeka Okungwu was a very good player, but I didn't see him going number one. But uh, Minnesota may be like, hey, we thought he can be the perfect defensive four-man uh, next to Carl Anthony Towns. We think he can... We can develop his uh, shooting that has shown a bit of potential, and we just think that'd be the right pick for our team. I could see them trading down. I could see them trading for established player because they want to win right now. I could see them just drafting the guy that kind of makes sense in Anthony Edwards and moving on from Malik Beasley, even though he played very well for them. So, yeah, this is an interesting draft. Uh, the lottery was really exciting to watch, and I'm so excited for all this draft content. We'll probably be hearing more rumors, more trades soon. And yeah, I will take a break and I'll be right back talking about the playoffs. Okay, everybody, I'm back and now it is time to talk about playoff basketball. Uh, the first series we're going to talk about is uh, Bucks versus Magic. Now, this series looked uh, kind of interesting, even though I didn't expect it to really go anywhere after uh, the first game where the Magic actually beat the Bucks. But ever since then, uh, I saw exactly what I expected and what I wanted to see out of the Bucks, where they are absolutely destroying this Magic team. They are playing zero games. Uh, uh, Nikola Vucevic has looked very good. He's played phenomenal, but they are just not playing any games. Giannis has played great. Uh, Brooke Lopez has played pretty well, even though I'd like to see him play better defense. And yeah, they're hitting their threes, they're, and they are just absolutely destroying this team. Uh, Chris Middleton hasn't looked great in either games. Uh, it was one of eight one game and then scored 17 on 17 shots. But yeah, Giannis has been dominating. And this team, and they've been hitting their threes. And they are just simply way better than this uh, Orlando team. This Orlando team truly isn't anything. Especially now that the Bucks have been uh, doubling Nikola Vucevic a lot. Making his life really tough. And just no one else is really stepping up. Evan Fournier hasn't looked great this series. And, yeah, this series is a wash. It's I was more excited for it after the uh, first game, but I never expected it to be close. And now the Bucks are playing how I expected them to play. They are destroying this team. Uh, uh, moving on to the 1-8 in the other conference, we got Trailblazers versus Lakers. Now, obviously, the Trailblazers won the first game. But after that, they got absolutely destroyed in Game 2. Uh, Dame didn't play well. CJ didn't play well. Nurkic didn't play well. Carmelo didn't play well. Uh, just the whole team was, just didn't really show up to play that game. They looked really bad that game, and AD was absolutely dominating. Uh, KCP had a good game. And, yeah, it was just it was a very rough game to watch. The Lakers were up by 30 pretty quickly. And it was over before it started, it felt like, just because of how bad the Blazers played. They just really didn't show up. Dame shot 1 of 7 from 3. CJ 1 of 5. Carmelo shot 1 of 6. Uh, Dame had the dislocated finger, but he's already back, so that's a good sign. But yeah, that was a really, really tough game to watch, especially because I thought the series would be a lot closer. But uh, the third game in the series was definitely closer. The Lakers still won by 8. Uh... It was really exciting to see the LeBron I've been wanting to see ever since the bubble started. He's just kind of looked passive in the bubble, but he was absolutely dominating that game. 38 points, hit four of eight threes, uh, got 12 rebounds, eight assists, eight turnovers, but he really closed that game out for them. He played phenomenal. He was being incredibly aggressive the entire game, uh, entirely throughout, and that's uh, truly the definition of playoff LeBron is him being aggressive the entire game, not taking uh, his foot off the gas. Uh, he got 17 free throw attempts. Love to see that. Getting the rebounds, pushing the pace, uh, and getting his team the open court. Anthony Davis dominated this game as well. Uh, Could have been better, especially from the free throw line, 7-14. to uh, Both LeBron and AD have definitely been struggling from the free throw line. 
as LeBron has never been a great free throw shooter, and they had those uh, four straight misses that were really cru- crucial in the game one loss. Uh, KCP uh, looked solid to begin the game, but it kind of struggled a bit. Shot uh, four thirteen, scoring thirteen. Uh, definitely looked better the game before. Uh, Danny Green still sucks. Danny Green has been terrible throughout the bubble. I mean, he hit two of his four threes, but he only scored eight points. Danny Green just does not look the same at all. He has not looked good. And what I've loved to see the most is that we're seeing more Anthony Davis at center. And that is the best Anthony Davis, and that is the best Lakers when Anthony Davis is playing center and they have all the spacing because then you, you cannot stop the LeBron James and AD pick and roll. It is impossible. But when you kind of have JaVale McGee or Dwight Howard just kind of standing there, it ruins the whole effective, effectiveness of the AD and LeBron pick and roll. It makes LeBron's drives less effective. It just makes everything so much less effective. So I need to see AD play center a lot more, especially if they want to truly win this championship. AD is going to need to play more center because when he is playing center, the Lakers look incredible, especially offensively. The defense obviously takes a bit of a hit. The rebounding takes a hit. But I think the improvement of offense is uh, really important and is a lot more important than the defense taking a slight hit. So I need to see AD play more center, and he's looked phenomenal when he's played center, and the Lakers just look so much better. There's so much more spacing. Alex Caruso stepped up huge off the bench, uh, hit a very cru- crucial three, uh, played great defense on Damian Lillard. Dame uh, didn't have his best game. He scored uh, 34, got to the free throw line a good bit. He's been doing a great job of getting to the free throw line, was facilitating well, but only shot 8 of 20. Uh, still scored his 34. CJ had a pretty good game, scoring 28. Carmelo was looking great that game, even though, I mean, he scored 20 on 20 shots, but he didn't get the free throw line at all. He still shot 45%. Still a good game. Uh, was very impressive. Him and LeBron were going back and forth, which is super fun to watch, especially considering it's 2020 and we're still seeing uh, LeBron and Melo going back and forth. That was really fun to watch, and that was just a really cool moment. It was really exciting to watch that. Uh, Yusuf Nurkic looked really, really bad that game. I think uh, the him not playing basketball for so long, obviously due to the uh, catastrophic leg injury that he's had, is really catching up to him now. He's looked very tired in the games he's played. He's kind of uh, being lazy when he's taking uh, his shots. He's being lazy on defense, getting absolutely cooked by AD. So that's uh, definitely a big issue for them as they're Uh, continue to go on in the playoffs because he needs to be better for them for sure but he's definitely struggled and I really like Yusuf Nurkic but I just think all this lack of time of playing basketball the lack of stamina is really catching up to him now and is really causing him to struggle and it was a pretty close game between these two teams but the Lakers just closed out and the Trailblazers couldn't it just seemed like the Lakers were uh, run so smooth at the end of the game, they were, and the Trailblazers couldn't get anything. Dame was really struggling in the clutch. And then, yeah, Yusuf Nurkic got destroyed, absolutely destroyed by Anthony Davis. And he needs to get the conditioning right. And that's just maybe a thing that uh, he'll need to have next year. And it obviously makes sense that he has a lack of conditioning, just considering how long he was gone. But that's definitely a big issue for them as we keep moving on playoffs and as they're trying uh, to do their best they can to compete with this team as well as they can. Uh, moving on to the uh, 2-7 matchup in the Eastern Conference, we got uh, Nets versus Raptors. Now, this series has not been interesting at all. The only game that was close was an incredibly ugly game that it, was, it wasn't close because the Raptors were playing. It wasn't close because Brooklyn was playing well. It was close because the Raptors were playing bad, but OG uh, got a clutch steal, made a clutch play to help them win that game. Uh, Pascal hasn't really looked like himself in any games, and like he's looked better, obviously. Uh, he had 26 one game. That was, that was definitely the Pascal game, but uh, that seems more like an outlier than the norm, which is weird because he's been so good all season, but there's just been bits of inconsistency during this entire bubble. So I need to see him step up and really be 
that number one guy, especially when they're going to have to face a very tough team like Boston in the second round, and that's going to be a tough series for them. Uh, Fred Van Vliet has played very well during the playoffs. Uh, Kyle Lowry's been very good. Norman Powell's been a good punch off the bench. Serge Ibaka's been good. Again, it's got so much depth, so many guys who can do so many different things. And, yeah, I really like this Raptors team. Uh, I like that they're just taking business. They didn't even mess around and lose one game. And they're just trying to move on to the next series. They're uh, probably about to sweep this team. And, yeah, I love to see that. Hopefully today, uh, Boston and Toronto can both sweep those teams so they can each get rest as they go into the next series and play each other. Because both of these teams look like they're on a roll. The I mean, the Raptors only had that one rough game, but every other game they've looked good. I've been so impressed uh, by the way Fred VanVleet's been playing in this entire bubble. It'll be very interesting to see what happens with this whole contract situation because he will get a bag from some other team. Uh, if the Knicks decide to pass on a guy like Tyrese Halliburton and think that Fred VanVleet is their guy... I could definitely see the Knicks offering him uh, plus $20 million a year. And it'll be interesting to see if the Raptors uh, be- really believe in their guy or if they believe in that uh, they can just keep uh, having like the next man up mentality and another guy will just step up. Maybe Norman Powell will be the guy we saw him in, I think it was February, where he was averaging like 25 in one month. So that's a very interesting thing. But yeah, this Raptors team been playing great. Uh, has the right momentum as they're going into the next round to face Boston. And, yeah, I like what I've seen from them. They've done zero messing around, and they've proved to everybody that they're legit and they are uh, ready to try and make this playoff run. Moving on to the 2-7 in the other conference, we got Clippers versus Mavericks. Now, this has been a very... Very interesting series. The Mavericks won game two, which was a really exciting uh, win for them, especially with Luka being in foul trouble and only getting to play 28 minutes. But they were very, very impressive that game. Porzingis played very well. Uh, Seth Curry was good for them off the bench. Trey Burke was very good for them off the bench. Boban scored 13 in only nine minutes. And, yeah, that was a really impressive win for them. They hit their threes at a great rate at almost 45%. Luka played incredible. Uh, Porzingis played very well. Luka hitting four of seven threes. Very good sign. You love to see that. And then on the Clippers' side, uh, Paul George has struggled a lot. Shot four of 17 that game, two of 10 from three. And uh, Kawhi has been a killer this entire uh, playoffs so far. But he just wasn't enough for them. Uh, the other guys just really didn't step up. They still have Reddy Jackson as a starting point guard, which you don't like to see that. And basically the only guy who stepped up was Lou Will. Lou Will was huge off the bench. Uh, but Jermichael Green only hit one of five. Paul George obviously struggled. Marcus Morris was just decent. And uh, they only hit their threes at 29.4%. It was a bit of an ugly game for them. Definitely worse than you would expect from such a good team like the Clippers. But they played very... Uh, the Mavs just played a very impressive game. The Mavs offense was absolutely unstoppable. It was a really good sign to see them uh, just flat out like, beat them. It wasn't even a cl- very close game. They just flat out beat them. Uh, moving on to the third game of the series. Now this one, uh, Kawhi, again, absolute killer. This is why I think he's the best player on the planet. He's so incredible. 36 points on 54% from the field was absolutely incredible that game. Paul George had another stinker. It's it's something wrong with Paul George. There's something mentally where the playoffs just get to him, where he's posting all the stuff on Instagram. And it's just it's sad to see because Paul George is so talented. And to see him just – it seems like he's really just getting in his own head whenever he's struggling. I think it's time to make it official that uh, Jason Tatum is better than Paul George because, man, Paul George has struggled so much during uh, during the last two games and just throughout the playoffs in total. I think I saw a stat where he had, like, the third most uh, game shooting under 25% in the playoffs for players who took, like, 15 shots in a game. But, uh, Landry Shamit was really good this game, and... Uh, Avika Zubak was good. Marcus Morris has been good this entire series. He was very good for them. 
Uh, they hit their threes at a much better rate, 41%. And uh, Lou Williams was very solid off the bench. Montrezl Harrell was good in the uh, bit of limited minutes he played. Jermichael Green was good. And this whole team just played very well. Obviously, Luca had the ankle injury, which was tough to watch. A bit of a very scary injury. I'm waiting to hear more updates on it. It looks like he'll he might play uh, in today's game, and he'll probably play in the future. But hopefully, that doesn't become a recurring issue as he's already ha- had to deal with some ankle issue uh, issues early in his career. Hopefully, it's not like a stuff thing where it was it just continues to be a recurring issue. But Luca really struggled this game uh, when he was playing. Shot four fourteen, one of six from three. 4 of 10 from the free throw line. He just couldn't seem to get things going this game. And it was still, it was very impressive that they were able to keep themselves in this game with him being injured and with him struggling. Kristaps was absolutely incredible this game. 34 uh, points, 5 of 9 from 3, got 13 rebounds. And he was just dominating this game. I love to see that presence from Porzingis, especially uh, when facing a team that, doesn't really have a guy who can guard him because like Avika Zubak is a pretty solid post defender, but Porzingis is so much more than a post player. So I loved what I saw from Porzingis. Tim Hardaway is very good for them. Uh, Seth Curry was amazing off the bench. Hit hit all four of his threes. Uh, shot nine of eleven. Was so good for them off the bench. But it just seemed like every time the uh, the Mavs would make a run and maybe hit like back to back threes. I was just so impressed by Kawhi because he was not letting, he was willing this Clippers team to the win with Paul George being so bad. He absolutely willed them to this win, played so good, and yeah, just whenever the Mavs would go on a little bit of a run, it just seems like Kawhi would make a stop, then he would score or make a good pass. It was a really, really impressive performance from Kawhi. And it was also an impressive forward from the Mavs to keep in with Luka, their best player, struggling, uh, getting injured, and playing poor throughout the game. They uh, kept the game pretty close throughout, only lost by eight. And no matter what happens in this first-round series, they're probably going to lose. And they were expected to lose. It's a very tough series against an amazing team. No matter what happens, the Mavs should be so happy because their future is so bright. They got such a beautiful future, man, with uh, Luka. There's nothing to, uh, nowhere to go but up from here, and he's already one of the best players in the league. Porzingis has looked so much better uh, ever since uh, before the season ended, during the bubble, during the playoffs. He looks like he's really ready to be that second star. He's looked phenomenal uh, ever since he really got back fully 100% healthy back in the groove looked great on defense Uh, rebounding has been better his three-point shooting is very impressive and yeah this team has such a bright future they're going to be one of the more dominant teams in the 20 uh just in the 2020 decade they have a ton of cap space in the 2021 offseason they could try to get another star they already got great role players uh players who just really just again play their role and don't complain at all got guys like dorian finney smith maxi cleaver uh, seth curry trey burke has been great for them and yeah this Mavs team is so much fun to watch now they're already a great team now this team is way better than a normal seventh seed it's just a weird year they had a deal with uh chris Stapps missing some time luca missed some time with the ankle and yeah, it seems way better than the normal 7th seed. They got such a bright future. So many things to look forward to. They're going to be so great uh, in the immediate future and in the far future. I could see them competing for a championship very, very soon. And I could see them still pushing the series to 6 or 7 games. This team is a tough-ass 7th seed. Very, very tough 7th seed. Uh, and just such an outlier for... Uh, the normal seventh seed you would never expect such a tough se- such a tough team at the seventh seed uh moving on to the three six in the eastern conference we got my boston celtics versus the 76ers now uh game two was a rough one to watch on the 76ers and joel Embiid was dominating but it just seemed like no one else could do anything it seemed like they couldn't throw an entry pass to save their life uh no one could hit their shots. They shot 23.8% from three, shot five of 21. Uh, Al Horford uh, looks so bad whenever he's on the court with Nembead. 
it just looks so terrible. Tobias Harris has sucked this entire playoff run. He hasn't hit a single three, which is rough to watch. Uh, Matisse Thibel doesn't do anything on offense and then was getting torched on defense, even though he's a great defender. Uh, Josh Richardson did have a good game. Shake Milton had a good game. But no, it just seemed like no one else but Embiid really just stepped up for them, especially Tobias Harris. Tobias Harris was so disappointed in that game. He played absolutely terrible. And, yeah, Boston just dominated throughout. Jason Tatum was going insane. 12-20 uh, from the field, 33 points, 8-12 of 12 from three. I think the youngest player to hit eight threes in a playoff game. Uh, Jalen Brown. Uh, 20 points. He was looking great with Jason Tatum. Marcus Smart, even though his stat line will never look the greatest, always makes all the hustle plays, all the winning plays for them. Kemba Walker had a very solid game. Very Kemba-esque this season. 22 points on 50% shooting. You like to see that a lot. Uh, Grant Williams has looked great off the Celtics bench, which is so exciting to see as a Celtics fan, because that's something I've been so worried about. And Grant Williams was one of the guys I was worried about just because his uh, three-point shot has struggled a lot. Uh, Brad Wanamaker was good off the bench for them. And I'm a guy, I hate Brad Wanamaker, just to be totally honest. I hate him on the Celtics team, but he played pretty well that game. Uh, Ennis Cantor was actually playing, like, solid enough defense on Joel Embiid. Romeo Lankford looked pretty solid. I really like Romeo Lankford. Uh, Taco even got to play, which was, which is funny. That's how you know it's a blow when Taco's getting minutes. And, yeah, the Celtics team just looks like they're fully in gear, especially if they can get just one guy or one or two guys to step up. Like, if Grant Williams and Brad Wanamaker and Ennis Cantor, if all three of them are having good games off the bench, then that is a scary sight to see. And then in the most recent game, I uh, missed out on this game, but I did uh, read a bit about it, watched back the highlights, and obviously looked at the box score. Uh, Jason Tatum definitely struggled this game, even though he did hit some uh, big shots down the stretch. Only shot 6 of 19, 2 of 9 from 3. A big outlier. Jalen Brown wasn't great. Uh, scored 21, but on pretty inefficient uh, shooting. Kemba Walker was great, though. Uh, 24 on 50%. Made some uh, huge shots. Marcus Smart was great for them, 14 points. Uh, again, made some very, very clutch plays. Uh, he got a steal and then passed it. Jalen Brown got an and one dunk, which was really a big momentum uh, uh, shift in this game because the Celtics won by eight, but this was an incredibly close game uh, down the stretch. And the Celtics just closed it out when the 76ers couldn't. Uh, Josh Richardson made foul where Jason Tatum uh, got a uh, uh, two free throws, and then they got the ball back because it was uh, uh, I forgot the rule, but it's when it's on a fast break and you foul them when uh, no defender is in front of them, whatever that rule is called. Grant Williams, again, looked great, hit another three, plays solid defense, is a great uh, just like energy guy for them. And Ennis Cantor actually, again, played as good a defense as he could on Joel Embiid. <laughs> Joel Embiid is still going to dominate, but he's just a little bit bigger than Daniel Tyson. Daniel Tyson has been struggling with fouls. But it was really nice to see uh, the Celtics team win a tough game. Uh, not a tough game, like a rough, around-the-edges game, where that's the, a game that Philly should thrive in, where both teams are kind of struggling to hit their shots. Boston shot tw uh, under 26% from three. They're normally a phenomenal three-point shooting team. And it was nice to see them win such an ugly game. Uh, they, they've they continued to lock up Tobias Harris. Again, hasn't hit a single three. 0 5 from three. Shot 6 of 19 from the field. Only scored 15 points. Al Horford was absolutely terrible. The fact that this man is getting played uh, 37 minutes in a game while being so terrible is ugly to watch. Tobias Harris and Al Horford are getting paid a ridiculous amount. And thing is neither one of them have had a single three this playoff run a single three and they are they are both on two of two of the probably five worst contracts in the entire league uh, just off the top of my head and Joel Embiid was again dominant in the first half but when he's not getting any help and he's getting fouled so much when he's getting 16 free throws and when he has to 
have so much pressure on him. He's going to get tired quickly when no one else is stepping up. When Josh Richardson is scoring 17 on 17 shots. When uh, Shake Milton is scoring 17 on 18 shots. When uh, Alec Burks, who's been good for them off the bench, is struggling. When no one else is scoring. When Forkon Karkmaz, who is a shooter, can't. Uh, can't hit a shots when Tobias Harris is being terrible, when Al Horford is being terrible. Joel Embiid, when he has that much of a load on him, and I'm not even going to get on him for it. I would be tired too if my whole team can't do anything and I have to carry the entire team. So it's tough for uh, Joel Embiid. It's extremely tough for him when they're putting him in such a tough situation where, like, if you look at the boss score, he saw 7 of 20, but it's like he's exhausted in these games because he has so much pressure on him, and he's a guy who's never been in the best shape. And he's a center, which is such, which is an even more tiring position to play. So even though Joel Embiid's been playing as hard as he can, he's been playing his heart out. He can't do. You simply can't win games when no one else is stepping up. And this is exactly what I expected. Like I don't like to brag about my predictions because I mean I'm gonna make a lot of predictions, and then there's gonna be right ones and there's gonna be wrong ones. But this. Uh, playoff series has played out so like exactly how I expected where it's Joel Embiid is going to dominate but we're going to th- start throwing him double teams he's going to turn the ball over too much and then uh, he's going to uh, he's going to have to play insane and even when he does play insane no one else is going to step up enough and one player especially a big man cannot win a series it is so like if you listen to my playoff prediction episode I'm pretty sure it's almost like exactly how it happened. I predict Celtics in five, but now I expect the Celtics to sweep. I don't expect the Celtics to do any playing around. And then the uh, Sixers, their future is so up in the air right now. Obviously, you got the Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid thing, which will always be an interesting conflict of uh, are you really maximizing uh, both of their talents with having each of them on the same team? And then you got the terrible Tobias Harris contract. You got the terrible Al Horford contract. You got Josh Richardson, who's incredibly inconsistent. Um, Matisse Thiel was a great defender, but still isn't really anything offensively. Uh, Alec Burks has been very good for them, but he's on a one-year contract. Forkhan Korkmaz has uh, looked good for them in the season, but hasn't been hitting his shots in the playoffs. And there's just so much unknown. Brett Brown is definitely going to be fired. There's no way they're not firing him with all the dumb things that he's done, like playing Al Horford so much, not playing shooters around Joel Embiid. Like Al Hor- I meant uh, Brett Brown should definitely be fired, and they're going to need to try and make some moves. I don't know who is taking on the Al Horford contract. I know it's only uh, three years now. But it's such a bad contract that I don't know if anybody's going to take that on. And Tobias Harris still got four years on that. I don't think anyone's taking on that contract. So they may be stuck with they where they are. And they may have to trade one of their two stars. Not because they can't work, uh, work with each other under any circumstances. But maybe just because of how bad their front office messed up such a good situation. If you look back a couple years, their starting lineup with Ben Simmons, J.J. Redick... Robert Covington, Dario Sarge, and Joel Embiid. Well, that team doesn't have nearly the name, uh, the names and the star power. It fits so seamlessly together. It fits so beautifully together. And now you look where they are right now, where they're in cap hell, and they're just stuck. They're, they can't really move anywhere without making a drastic move because no one is going to take on those terrible contracts. They don't really have many assets like on the bench. And it's just a tough situation. They're going to have to make a lot of moves. And they may have to get one rid of one of the guys who they tanked for and that they really believed in, which is tough. But they put, them, they put themselves in this hole. Uh, and you can't really blame anybody but them for making so many bad trades, uh, making so many bad signings. They got rid of Mikhail Bridges, literally the perfect player next to Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons for a player who hasn't even like been playing at all. I don't know what happened uh, to the Sixers team. They just made so many mistakes, and it's tough to watch uh, with just them blowing such a beautiful opportunity. That was it, Everything was there for them. 
everything was there for them, and they completely messed it up. And, like, as a Celtics fan, I'm not sad, but just as a basketball fan, it's sad to see two generational talents in Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons be built around so poorly and not have their talent nearly maximized. Uh, they should have fired Brett Brown a couple years ago, especially after they saw uh, a much less talented uh, Celtics team. They literally won because Brett Brown got outcoached so badly. And I know they don't have Ben Simmons. This would be a much closer series with Ben Simmons. He'd be playing great defense on Jason Tatum. They'd uh, be able to be out there more in the fast break. But, man, this has been rough to watch. And it looks like we're about to see a sweep, which I don't think many people expected. And I didn't even expect as a guy who really believed in this uh, Celtics team. Um, moving on to the 3-6 in the West, we got the Jazz versus Nuggets. Now, this has been a very weird series. Uh, obviously, the first game, we had the crazy OT game. Donovan Mitchell uh, played incredible, played his heart out, but they lost to this Nuggets team. And ever since then, though, the Jazz have taken control. Donovan Mitchell played incredible the second game, played so well, was really getting his teammates involved early, as you can see with the eight assists. And then in the third quarter, they already had a pretty good lead going into halftime. But he dominated in that third quarter, basically ending that game before the fourth quarter even started. He scored 30 points on 10 of 14, shooting 6 of 7 from 3, hit all of his free throws, played absolutely incredible. Jordan Clarkson was great off the bench for them, scoring an efficient uh, 26. Joe Ingles was great, scoring uh, 18 on very good efficiency, hitting his threes as well. Rudy Gobert played very well, scoring 19 uh, and getting two blocks. It was just such an impressive performance from them. And then the on Denver's side, uh, Michael Porter Jr. looked great offensively this game. He was elite offensively. Uh, Nikola Jokic was great offensively. Jamal Murray was just pretty all right. Uh, Monte Morris was good off the bench, but Jeremy Grant wasn't as good as we've seen him be all year. Shot only two of seven from three. Uh, Paul Millsap has kind of struggled this entire uh, playoffs. He only scored five on five shots. And the biggest issue that has been with this series in general is that the Jazz are absolutely abusing uh, the Nuggets' uh, lack of uh, pick and roll defense like whenever they see Michael Porter Jr. They are hunting Michael Porter Jr. To get him switched onto Donovan Mitchell to get him switched on Jordan Clarkson and they're taking advantage of that because Michael Porter Jr. Didn't get that opportunity while we were in the regular season to uh, Have those reps and be ready to play pick and roll defense in the playoffs against such a great player like Donovan Mitchell and then obviously Nikola Jokic even though he lost weight he's still uh, he's still too slow to switch, and when they do switch and he's put on a guy like Donovan Mitchell, he's getting cooked. Like, the the uh, the third game was just an absolute atrocity to watch because Nikola uh, Jokic didn't look good on offense. Michael Porter Jr. only had seven, but he only played 15 minutes because he's been struggling so much on defense. Uh, Torrey Craig was, like, the bright spot for them. Jamal Murray... Ever since that first game, just hasn't looked very good. Scored 12 points on 16 shots. Uh, Jeremy Grant had another bad game off the bench. Uh, Monte Morris wasn't good. P.J. Dozier, uh, 2 of 9. Like, it was a rough, rough game. I mean, Bol Bol was really good in the limited minutes he played, which was which was cool. But other than that, man, and he had the only positive net rating on the entire team. But other than that, man, it was a rough game. The Jazz were killing them. They won by 37. Donovan Mitchell had an, uh, another pretty good game. Uh, struggled with a shot more, but he was still good. Uh, Rudy Gobert was dominating Jokic, beating him up the floor so many times. Scored 24 on very good efficiency, 11 of 15. Uh, Mike Conley was amazing that game. Hit 7 of 8, 3, scored 27. Uh, Georges Niang was very good for them. They just dominated through that game. They they hit their threes at an insane rate, 48.6%. Uh, and then again, they were abusing that pick and roll. Uh, Denver's offense 
was terrible. 37.5% from the field, 31.6% from three. And then the defense was even worse. The defense was terrible. They had uh, seven more turnovers on seven less assists than the Jazz. The Jazz just dominated this game. This was a true domination. And the Jazz have all the momentum. So the Nuggets really, really need this win tonight. At 9 o'clock, they are going to need to show up and play and come to play because the Jazz are not messing around. and They have all the momentum in the world right now. They probably have all the confidence in the world. So the, the Nuggets need to figure something out because this has been rough to watch these past couple of games. They've been dominated. Moving on to the 4-5 uh, matchup in the Eastern Conference, we got Heat versus Pacers. Now, this has been a bit of a weird series. As the Miami Heat are up 3-0, and they've beat, they've won each game by like around 10 points. But the game is so close throughout, and the Pacers really can't close. Uh, guys like Jimmy Butler. Jimmy Butler has played great this series. Uh, Duncan Robinson has hit his threes at an insane rate. He's been playing great. Uh, Goran Dragic has been great for them. Tyler Hero has been a huge spark plug off the bench, and he's been playing very well. Uh, they've been hitting their threes at an incredible rate shot uh they only shot uh 39 percent which is still amazing and then shot 51 percent the second game they've just been playing so incredible their ball movement is fantastic the three-point shooting is elite i've been so impressed by the ball movement jimmy butler has been closing games and they've been playing great defense they've uh tj warren has just been the tj warren we've kind of seen before uh, Victor Oladipo has looked better, but he's still not shooting great, and they're still making him struggle. Malcolm Brogdon had a, a very rough game in Game 2, and their defense has been so impressive. Their defense has been great. The three-point shooting has been so great, and their ability to close games has been huge because that's been the huge difference in this series. This series could be either like, uh, it's obviously 3-0 now, but it could be two only 2-1 he it could be one two or it could be three oh the other way that's how close these games have been before uh like the end of the game but the heat have just been able to close out the games in a way that the pacers just simply haven't jimmy Butler has been so impressive late in game and then i love what i've seen from tyler hero he scored an efficient 20 points in last game uh, shot 50 percent from field 50 percent from three he's been such a good spark plug off the bench uh they Again, T.J. Warren had a solid game, but it was like it's T.J. Warren before the bubble. And even Malcolm Brogdon had a phenomenal game, 34, 14 assists. He played incredible. Uh, but the defense that they played, especially late in game, in every game has impressed me a ton and could really be the difference, especially as we're moving on to the next round. They're most likely going to be playing the Bucks, And when they play the Bucks. This is going to be a tough matchup for the Bucks, man. Because the biggest thing that worries me about the Bucks is that they give up a, a lot of open threes. They're great at protecting the rim, but they give up a lot of open threes. And the Heat are great at shooting threes. And the Bucks offense late in game worries me. And those are two things that the Heat have been incredibly impressive on. Playing great defense, uh, hitting their threes at a great rate and closing in the clutch when it really matters. So I, this series has been fun to watch. Even It's way closer than a 3-0. It's way closer than like the uh, the Nets-Raptors 3-0 or the Celtics-Sixers 3-0. And yeah, this series has been fun to watch, and I've been super impressed by the Heat. Been very, very impressed. Uh, moving on to the last series to talk about, we got Thunder uh, versus the Rockets. Uh, Shea Gildas Alexander, other than the first game where he had a bit of a dud, has been very, very, very good. Uh, scored 23 in the most recent game, scored 31 in game two. Uh, Danilo Gallinari's been playing pretty well. Chris Paul has kind of only had one game where he's really looked like the Chris Paul we've seen all season, which was the most recent game. Uh, Chris Paul was very impressed with that game, scoring 26 on 11 of 12, but uh, the game four only scored 14 on 15 shots. That's ugly. And uh, even though the the Thunder did win the most recent game, I'm still not really convinced that they can win this series because uh, the Rockets have just looked so good this series. Uh, they won an incredibly ugly game 
from for them at least in the in game two where James Harden was struggling, 5 of 16. Lou Gwen Store was playing phenomenal defense on James Harden. Shot 2 of 11 from 3. Uh, Eric Gordon shot 6 of 20. Like, it was a rough game for them offensively, but Jeff Green has been great off their bench. Jeff Green has been very, very impressive off their bench, and that has been a cool thing to see. Uh, P.J. Tucker was very good that game. Robert Covington was good. Danny House was good. And it was just cool to see them step up without uh, James Harden playing great. Austin Rivers was amazing to start the game. He kind of cooled off later. But the thing that really just makes me lack confidence in this Thunder team, even though, again, they did win this most recent game and they played very well, uh, James Harden did foul out in overtime, which really uh, helped them because they were they dominated in overtime. They won by 12, which was very, very impressive. But James Harden did struggle a bit from... Th- well, he struggled a lot from three. Luke Wentzdor, again, played great defense on him, even though, he, I mean, he had 38 on uh, 44% from the field. He did struggle when Luke Wentzdor was guarding him. Eric Gordon had another really bad game, 18 points on 24 shots. It's terrible. Uh, P.J. Tucker struggled to hit his shots, and they just struggled from three in general, shot only 30%. So the fact that they were still in this game was pretty impressive because the three-point shooting is obviously their biggest asset. Jeff Green had another great game. It's been just very impressive this entire bubble and in the playoffs. He's just very inconsistent. And uh, basically, ev- like everyone in the Thunder's uh, big four as far as like scoring stepped up. Uh, Shea with 23, Danilo with 20, Chris Paul with 26, and Dennis Schroeder with a huge 29. And even though I was, again, impressed by how they played, like, Luke Wentz's defense was phenomenal, and then their scoring was impressive, I still have a ton of confidence in this Rockets team because I was really uh, just doing some, like, analyzing and just thinking about this. Like, why is the Thunder's offense, especially in the games before, struggling so much? And when I thought about it the most, just looking at, like, their previous games, is what is most effective for the Thunder? It's the pick-and-roll. They have three guards who run the pick-and-roll off. They got Dennis Schroeder, Chris Paul, who's one of the best pick-and-roll players of all time, and then Shea Gilders-Alexander. And then they got a big body, a great screener, and Steven Adams. Well, the Rockets' best ability on defense is their switchability and their versatility, which uh, really limits the effectiveness of the pick-and-roll for them. So that's why the... Uh, Thunder's offense has struggled so much, and I don't think they're going to be able to. I just don't think they're going to be able to win the series. I don't think they're going to have enough games where they're hitting enough shots because that pick and roll, which is so good for them, is really just weakened so much by how this Rockets team played. But yeah, I still got the Rockets winning this series, and I could definitely see the Thunder taking one more, but I don't have it going to seven. I have it at most going to six. Uh, I really hope you guys did enjoy this episode of the Under Pressure Podcast. If you did, please share it with your friends. Make sure to download, leave a like, all that stuff. Uh, And I'll be back next Wednesday. Uh, Probably, Well, I'll be back Wednesday. We'll be talking about some second-round matchups, maybe some first-round matchups will still be going on. But I hope you enjoyed, and uh, peace out.